Welcome to the Destiny Church 217 podcast, where we share the sermon of the week from Destiny Church. After the message, check out the show notes for links and more information on how to get connected with Destiny. Let's get into the message. Yeah, so today we're talking about backbones versus wishbones. That really is the most important thing that we're talking about because it's the series. But I was asked to speak about Hannah, which is obviously ironic. Ironic. I'm married to Hannah. Miles is married to Sarah, and he got to talk about Sarah, so it's it kind of fun. Eric, we appreciate that. Um, <clears throat> now, uh, to be honest, I didn't know, again, I feel like every time I'm up, I come up here, I come to teach you guys something. I'm like, yeah, I knew nothing about this before I started studying it, and so here we go. But uh, I love that, man. I love the fact that you can get into something, study it, and just find so much in it. And so, Hannah, I, I've known the story my whole life, but I've not known much of the depth. I always thought, like, Hannah only existed so that we could get Samuel, right? Anybody, if you know the Old Testament, Samuel is a really crucial piece. Um, he, uh, he's a big deal, obviously. But he wouldn't be who he is without his mother. And you're like, well, yeah, duh, his mom birthed him. No, I'm talking about this spiritual gift mix his mom had. You're going to learn about that today. So um, the, the story, to keep it kind of simple, I, again, I, we're, you know, we had some stuff here this morning, so I don't want to last uh, or talk all day because uh, you guys know I can be a little long-winded, and I don't want to do that to you. So the uh, short version of the story is we have Elkina, we have Hannah, and we have uh, Penit, Pen, how do you say it? The other wife, Elkina, is Hannah's husband. But Elkina has, in, in, as they practice in these days, uh, had multiple wives. He had another wife, and her name was Penina. Penina, that's how you say it. Elkina, Penina. There you go, boom. Okay, so we have three people in this story. It's kind of important that you understand that there is a, um, um, two wives. Uh, possibly the most unintelligent thing men have done since they've been on earth is have more than one wife. As we see, the wisest man on earth did the dumbest thing, which obviously I'm re referring to Solomon having 750 wives and many concubines. Yes, many concubines. Um, so anyway, it's a little, a little irony there. Um, but yes, we see Elkanah in this story, and we see that he has two wives, um, Hannah and Peninnah, and Peninnah has a bunch of kids, and Hannah has none. You guys, you kind of remember the story? Yeah, good. But, uh, but this is a problem for Hannah. You realize that in that day and age, women are finding their sole purpose. Now, I'm, this is not a, a, an oppressive thing to women because she has so much more to offer than just uh, birthing children, although she does long, first and foremost, to birth a child. She wants to give her husband a child. But more than that, as you're going to find out, she actually wants to fulfill her God-given destiny of birthing a child. It's a big deal. But we see in that story, um, God closed her womb. How many of you that's sitting really good with your theology right now? God's always good. God closed her womb. Does that sit perfect? Is that two plus two equals four? No, it doesn't sit well with you, does it? God closed her womb. Why would he have done that? That doesn't sound like a good God to me. Because he's a good God. Now, that being said, you're going to see why, and you're going to understand a little more here in a minute and how it all plays out. But the story continues on that uh, Peninnah is just cruel. 
She has all these kids, and then she sees Hannah having none, and she is very just, man, she's just kind of wicked. She starts making fun of Hannah. She's, you're barren, you're, you're just, you know, maybe you're not intelligent enough to have kids. I don't know. Like, are you, do you even know how to make love? I, you guys realize that the problems with a multiple uh, uh, wife marriage yeah, they're talking about stuff like that. Yeah, they're talking about, hey, um, um, you know, uh, the, evidently, uh, uh, Elkina loves me more, maybe. Maybe that's it. But no, it's not. We see in the Bible, it says that Elkina loved Hannah. Hannah didn't have kids. Yeah, she wasn't able to have kids because God had closed her womb. So she is getting made fun of. She's getting, she's getting um, just uh, persecuted, man. She's getting just attacked and accused from... Her, I don't know what you call it, her other sister, sister wife? Is that what we call them? Sister wife. Sister wife, I don't know. Yeah, sister wife. It's messed up, man. It's a little strange. I don't get it. But that being said, we see this happening. That's really hard. And so she goes through some really, really hard times. Um, not only that, but we see that as she's going through these hard times, they go to the temple and they, they offer sacrifices. And every time she's just so upset there because it's this time where she's really close to God. She's offering sacrifices and um, it just continually reminds her of that. Plus, this is part of her God-given destiny. She has, she feels within her. She's a very prophetic woman. You might not know that from the story, but she is a very prophetic woman. So needless to say, and like again, trying to make this story a little shorter, is that um, there's a time where she's there and they have their feast that they have after their sacrifice and, um, and it's at towards the end of the night and Hannah's sitting there. She's been weeping and praying and she's been fasting and she's, uh, she's just, you know, like this. She's, she's, moving her, she's moving her lips, but she's not saying any words. In the judge of that day and age, Eli Caesar he says, this crazy, dumb woman, this stupid woman, what is she doing here? You're drunk. Get out of here. You're crazy. What are you doing? You're not supposed to be drunk here. That's not what this is about. And this is a, a crushing blow to her. If you don't know that, this is a crushing blow. This man of high authority in the land, of the authority in the land, judges, were ruled by judges at this time, um, he gives her this crushing, embarrassing blow. And it's kind of the last straw for her a little bit. Like, <laughs> she breaks, and she's like, no, like, even though I've been made fun of by Panina, even though my husband's like, yeah, you know, like, don't worry about it, babe. I'm better than 10 sons. Her husband says that to her. I'm better than 10 sons. I'm like, dude, I don't. Okay, I mean, maybe I need to do some more studying on that to really understand that idea. But I think he's just kind of missing it, obviously. But, um, now this authority in the land has now accused her of being a drunk, you know, woman. And that is, that's, that's devastating. And you see her push back. This is a big deal. But I want to give you a quote real quick. Leonard Ravenhill said, there is a time, this is a big deal, there is a time where language is bankrupt for the highest form of prayer has no speech. That's a big deal. She had no words left to say. Some of us on Encounter, I, you know, sometimes I pray for people and I have no words to say. Somebody's just lost somebody really significant in their life. I have no words to say, man, but I'm going to pray for you anyway. Come on. So um, 
Now to this, mis- this mistaken impression. Um, this mistaken impression was immediately removed. And in words, in, in, in the word, God grant, or rather will grant, this is in Scripture of 1 Samuel 1.18. If you want to turn there, that's fine. doesn't matter. I'm reading it to you right now. Um, in a word, God, in the words God grant, or rather will grant, was followed by an invocation with uh, which, as Hannah regarded it in the light of a prophecy pointing to the accomplishment of her earnest desire. This, uh, that dispelled her sadness and filled her with confident hope. So uh, what I'm referring to right, right in this moment is that Eli says to her, okay, you're not drunk. She says, I'm not drunk, man. I have been fasting and praying, and I am longing for this thing. He says, oh, okay, he, he has this click. Okay, fine then. May God grant you this thing. May God grant this to you. The highest authority, the judge, the man of God in the land said, may God grant you this. That's a big deal. So in this moment of her being so badly wounded by this man, she also is... is um, uh, there's this immediate redemption, and I love it. It's an instantaneous redemption, and, and he says, may God grant you this. So, uh, that dispels her sadness. How many of you have been in sadness? And all of a sudden, the promise of God can dispel that and, and free you from that and replace it with hope and joy, even though something really ugly has happened. That's a big deal. So, um, now, I've told you the story, and I'm sorry, it's a little choppy, but uh, doing the best I can there. Um, there's some things that happen here in Scripture, and I've already been hitting you on some of these. I'm really hoping to kind of rattle the cage this morning, to inspire you to get into the Word. Because if you don't know the Word, and you just have listened to preachers for years, you simply think that, like, God's just always good, uh, He's just always good, and anything bad is not from God, and it's da 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 It's like, I, yeah, that's not totally wrong, but you also are kind of missing a lot of Scripture. You're, you're removing parts of the Bible to believe that in its entirety. You realize that God gives any... Oh, wait a second. Hold on. That can't be, right? God only wants more for me. More. Prosperity, which I believe God does want prosperity for you. But he doesn't want it if the prosperity is going to have you and he won't get you anymore. So I actually believe this is a part of Hannah's story. That if Hannah would have had kids early, that God wouldn't have got all of Hannah. But God got all of Hannah. And Hannah is a very special woman. You see that in her prayer here in a minute. But we're going to talk about Hannah's process because you're going to apply this to your life. Okay, so the process, I'm calling it her process. You might say her trials or tribulation, whatever you want to say. I'm saying process because you're in a process. All right? So what's her process? Her process included, Hannah's process included great sorrow, chastisement, misunderstanding, and accusations. How many of you have faced those things? How many of you have been crushed by accusations, being chastised? Having your name run through the mud, perhaps, or somebody whispering some kind of a gossip about you, some kind of rumor about you. What was your response to it? Hannah's response was steadfastness. She fasted. She prayed, 
She was faithful to the word that she, had, she believed in her heart. See, all along she knew that she was meant to birth a child. And yet, God shut up her womb. How's that, how does that work? It doesn't work, right? That just doesn't add up. God wanted her. He wanted all of her. And so she presses in. She doesn't give up. She prays. She, I told you, she fasts. She's faithful. But most of all, she takes action. Her first action that I see is that she doesn't give up when her sister wife, silliness, her sister wife uh, accuses her, tries to tear her down, makes fun of her, continually antagonizes her. She doesn't give up. She doesn't say, oh, yeah, you're right. That's right. I'm just going to quit. She doesn't quit. Then when the highest man in the land calls her a, a dummy, a, a drunk dummy, she says, no. Okay, what do you guys know about that day and age? Uh, women were pretty oppressed, actually. Women were definitely looked down upon. Throughout history, women have been potentially the most oppressed people group on earth. There's no doubt on that. And in this day and age, I don't really think it's, it's like, it's pretty challenging for a woman to speak up to the highest authority in the land, but she does it anyway, because that's part of Hannah's character, and she's going to birth that character in the form of Samuel, and it's going to rock, it's going to rock the world, man, it's going to rock Israel. <clears throat> so she pushes back, and her action is, she says, no, I'm not drunk as you suppose, it's a big deal. And then, ultimately, she praises God as she gets that praise. That's a big one. Oh, Lord, I want, I, want, I want this. I want that. Okay, you get it. All right, see you, Lord. I'm good now. I got it. No, you better be praising God for that. You better not forget where you got that thing from. So um, what were her results? So her, her trial, her process was sorrow, chastisement, misunderstanding, accusation. Her response was steadfastness, f uh, fasting, prayer, faithful. Action, praise. What were her results? She birthed Samuel, the last judge and the first prophet raised by God. Most importantly, she sets an example for you and me to this day. You can say that Samuel is significant, but we're still reading about her thousands of years later, potentially 3,000 years, give or take. This is around uh, 1150 AD, give or take. Again, a few years on that. 11.50, and we're still talking about her today. That's pretty doggone significant. Seriously, that's a big deal. God uses her and puts her story in the Bible so we can minister to you. It's a big deal. She responded to the challenges in her life, the process in her life. Okay, so now uh, let's get some application. What does barrenness look like in our lives what fruit do you have? I want to know, what's the fruit in your life? What does fruit look like? Now, I'm not talking about necessarily birthing children, but I'm talking about, okay, so it, it is pretty agitating to me, and I could imagine Eric has been in ministry 30 plus years, that it takes an encounter to get people excited and upfront worshiping. That is so annoying. Like as a minister, most annoying that it's the same for me. It's not just you, it's me too. That means I've gotten pretty lackadaisical in my pursuit of God until all of a sudden encounter rolls around and then I wake up again. What's going on? What's going on? Body of Christ, what's going on, Ryan? What's wrong with you, Ryan? Come on. 
That's a real challenge. And like I said, Eric's been in ministry 30 years, and I, yeah, the highs and lows. There's no reason to live in a roller coaster. Oh, conference. Woo. Oh, yeah, I forgot all about Oh, another Ivan Tate. Yeah, I got a prophetic. Woo. Oh, yeah, watch Netflix for five weeks straight. Now I just forgot about the Lord. Oh, Ivan's back. Oh. Dude, do you not love God or do you love Ivan? You know what I'm saying? Like, wake up. Hannah had this process in her life where if she would have let these, these people around her determine her walk with God, she would have never made it. She let nothing else determine her walk with God except for her love for God and her, her holding on to the destiny that he put for her, not, before, not what somebody else put before her. I had a, um, I had a dream last night, man. Oof. It was real emotional. I was confused at why I got this dream because like I said, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. So it was, a, it was like a kind of a weird dream. And it really like crushed me. And I had, a, I had to really pray about it. And uh, it was challenging. So in the dream, I do encounter. And um, <clears throat> it's funny, man. It's just crazy because it's so powerful. And uh, Eric's like, hey, Ryan, that sucked, man. Like, you missed it. You know, I'm not going to let you do an encounter anymore because I'm just taking over and you suck. And that crushes me, because why? Because I care what Eric thinks. He's my leader, my father-in-law, but he's my pastor. And I see Aaron, and I see the team, and they're all like, dude, you just screwed it up. You suck. <laughs> Crying, kind of laughing. Because that would mean something to me, man. That would crush me, right? Right? Wouldn't that just devastate me? And in the dream, I say, well, forget you guys, and I'm not going to do it anymore. I don't care. If you don't like it, then I'm not doing it. And I wake up and I'm like, that was a weird dream. <laughs> that was a nightmare, right? That was just a nightmare. God says, no, that wasn't a nightmare. I gave you that dream. Well, that was a bad dream, God. Why would you give me that dream? He says, because if you're doing an encounter for Eric and the team, you're doing it for the wrong purposes. If you'll quit because of what they think, you're doing the gospel for the wrong purposes. If they say that all to you, and you're willing to quit, you're not doing it for me, you're doing it for them. So no matter what you guys say or what you guys think, no matter what anybody, the closest person to me, you know, my father-in-law, somebody I look up to, no matter what he says, I'm not going to stop the gospel because I love God. I don't fear man more than I fear God. You can't either. You do that and it's all over, man. You're, you're going to continually have a cycle of giving up on the church. Somebody offended me, so you leave. That's because you fear man more than you fear God. I'm offended. I don't want to, you know, that, that was, they did that wrong. They said that wrong. It doesn't matter. It's about a relationship with God, not about a relationship with man. Hannah didn't care. Hannah did not care what people said. She said, this is the destiny I've been given, and I'm going to fight until I get it. I'll speak up to the highest man in the land and say, no, you're wrong. God says this. I don't care what you say. <laughs> Hannah was a powerful woman. Man, this story is just so weird that it, like, I I was like, man, I don't know if I'm going to get anything out of this story because it's just, it's just a kind of a cut and dry story, barren to birth, right? Just like Miles. Like, I was like, Miles, let's just repeat yours. But man, there's so much depth there. Of this woman that just is a woman of faith and prophecy. And then she births the prophet of the land. 
Because, of course, as you know, Samuel's the last judge, which means we go to kings. Samuel uh, prophesies the kings, goes out. He's led by the Lord. He pulls in kings and, 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 and is the prophet for them. But anyway, I love that. I love this. Uh, Jeremy, I'm happy you shared about Pentecost Sunday because I want to share about prayer with this. Hannah prayed. Hannah's, we're going to talk about Hannah's prayer. But Hannah prayed to God. She fasted. It's so weird to me when I have conversations, people are like, yeah, it's, I tried that fasting thing, thing for the first time in my 30 years of being saved, and it worked. What? What? Like, yeah, try to fast. Oh, but that would mess up my schedule. I don't care about your schedule. I care about loving God. Yeah, but then I'd feel a little weak. I'd feel a little weak. I was hanging out with Daryl one day. We were, we were doing cabinets. And Daryl, um, now he's not a young whippersnapper like me necessarily, and he's fasting. And noon comes around. We've been there since the morning. Noon comes around, and he's fasting food. And I am like one o'clock, one thirty hits, and I'm like dying. I'm like, dude, I am going to leave to go get food. I cannot go on any longer. Daryl's like, that's fine, go. I, I, and I was like, well, what do you want? He's like, nothing. I'm I'm fasting. And I'm like, Daryl. Listen, man, we're doing physical labor. You can't fast and do physical labor. He says, yeah, but I'm fasting. I love God. I'm fasting. I want breakthrough in my life. I don't care about these things. I care about breakthrough and my understanding of God, my hunger for the Lord. And he went all night. He went until like 630, and, I was, and then he was about to faint. And I was like, dude, you got to go home. And the day was over. I mean, that's how it was. But he fasted all day. It wasn't about the inconvenience and the pain of fasting. Fasting food reminds you of that you're not to hunger for bread, not to hunger for, for food, uh, things of this earth. How much more do you hunger for the bread of life? Not just physical bread, but the bread of life. It's far more important that you're eating the bread of life than you are the bread of this world. I don't know, I'm, yeah. Come on. Man does not live by bread alone is what I'm referring to there, obviously. Um, yeah, so I want to pray about, uh, or I want to talk about this, this idea of prayer. And, and like I said, we already talked about fasting, but applying prayer to your life, prayer changes people. No, prayer changes my situation. No, actually, it just changes you. And all of a sudden, your situation changes. It's funny how that works. Prayer changed Hannah. It made her this just, just relentless pursuer of God's purpose in her life. Come on. Changed her. Prayer changed her from barren to fertile. And let me tell you, she didn't just have one kid. She had a lot more kids after that. She's continued. She's continually blessed. That's why it's like, man, God may have closed her womb for that season so that she pressed in and got what God wanted her to have. Then she gives it back to God. How many of you, if you, listen, I don't know, I, I know for a fact, uh, Eric had uh, the, a tough time having Hannah. Cheryl, Eric, dang it, emotions. <laughs> uh, they had a tough time getting, having Hannah, obviously. She's kind of a miracle child because there's a, a, a sickness at the time with Cheryl and like, honestly, unbelievable that Hannah's even birthed. But they had one kid and they had f uh, four miscarriages. Three, sorry, three, there we go. How much, like now, Eric, are you ready to drop your child off at the temple after weaning your child and just being like, there you go, God. Man, we tried so long to have that kid and I'm just going to leave her at the temple because that's what God told me to do. Man, there's these things we press in and we were like, I, I want this, God, I want this. At the end of the day, it can't have you. God's got to have you. So give it up. I don't know, man, that just... 
I have kids. I don't think I'll drop peanut my kids off at the temple, but man, if God tells me to, that's going to be hard. And I got three of them. I can't spare one, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Woo. But this just reckless, man, she's reckless giving all to God. You'd say that's reckless. and be like, you worked so long for that. Why are you just going to give that up? Because I trust God. I love God. God says, awesome. I'm going to open up your womb. You're going to have a ton of kids. And she has a whole bunch of kids. And it's really cool. Hannah's prayer. I'm going to read it to you because um, uh, not all of it, but parts of it. And it's going to, I think, mess with, um, mess with your mind a little bit. Because I want you to wake up a little bit on what's going on in, in her life and how prophetic she really is. Wow, my stuffy nose. There we go. uh, The uh, runnage from crying. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts. Thank you kindly. Appreciate that. That'll do. Then Hannah prayed and said, my heart exalts in the Lord. My horn is exalted in the Lord. My mouth speaks boldly against my enemies because I rejoice in your salvation. There is no one holy like the Lord. Indeed, there is no one beside you, nor is there any rock like our God. I'm going to jump down to six. The Lord kills, the Lord kills. You guys don't like that line probably. The Lord kills and makes alive. He brings down to Sheol and he raises up. The Lord makes poor. Oh, what? The Lord makes poor? Yeah, the Lord makes poor and he makes rich. He brings low, he also exalts. He raises the poor from the dust. He lifts the needy from the ash heap to make them sit with nobles and inherit a seat of honor. She's starting to prophesy. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he set the world on them. She's going to continue to prophesy. 10. Those who... Those who contend with the Lord will be shattered. Against them, he will thunder in the heavens. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth, and he will give strength to his king, and he will exalt the horn in capital H, his anointed. She just prophesied about the Messiah there. She just prophesied about somebody that it's something that's not going to happen for 1,100 years. She's prophesied. That's a big deal. All right, well, I'm out of time, I believe. Getting close anyway, yep. Um, So my last challenge to you is this. Are you barren? What fruit and what's God doing in your life? I love, um, who was it? Was it Miles you were talking about running? I don't know where Miles is, but somebody was talking about running. And um, anyway, it was like, hey, listen, show up to this location at this time, and we're going to run eight miles. And I'll know if you're in shape or not. So the challenge is, what's God doing in your life? And I'll know if you're actually seeking God or not. What's the fruit of your life? Well, um, you know, man, I've been really pressing in in this word, and it's really cool, and then I had God speak to me. Uh, okay, what's God doing in your life? Well, you know, I, last Sunday, I remember uh, Eric spoke about this, and I thought that was cool. Okay, you're not seeking God. What's God doing in your life all week? You can't eat once a week. You starve. 
What is God doing? Well, you know, Ryan, I had, I just, uh, you know, I watched this TV series. It's a good series, bro. You should check it out. You should check this series out. Right, and then after that one, check this other one out. It's a good one. I now know everything about um, uh, the office, the, the whatever, fill in the blank. What's God doing in your life? I don't care about fiction, my friend. What is God doing to you? Fiction's not going to get you into heaven. Knowing everything about the office doesn't get you into heaven. It, 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 it simply appeases and distracts you from your temporary journey of earth. Your life is but a vapor. But a vapor. If you're an eternal being, if you believe anything about the Bible, you're going to realize you're an eternal being. And when this life is over, you either go to hell for eternity... That is clear in the Bible. It says it continuously. There is a hell, and it's eternal. There is a heaven, and it's eternal. So you spend, what, 85 years, 90 years, God willing, on this earth. What is that in eternity? That's a blink of an eye. That's a vapor. That's an exhale, and it's over. What would you do on earth, man? With your free will. God loves you, and he gave you free will. What would you do with that free will? How'd you respond to the task that was given to you? How'd you respond when God gave you destiny and all of a sudden your sister wife attacks you? <laughs> How did you respond when the highest man of the land, your pastor, rebuked you? How'd you respond? Well, I left that fool. I left that church. He's an idiot. I hate the church. Oh, well, that's, that's really strange. So that's... Come on, you get what I'm saying? Come on. So don't waste your life. I don't know, as for me, it was like, oh my gosh, man, I don't want to waste my life. I love this story of Hannah. I love that she, that she prophesies and believes into her own future. And then that future she births saves a nation. I mean, it launches into the next stage of a nation. But man, Samuel, not only that, but Samuel perseveres. Okay, so what do you guys remember? Samuel is the last judge. What does that mean? He's rejected by the land. They say, we don't want judges anymore. We want kings. Everybody else has kings. It looks good on them. Let's try it out. And God says, Samuel, tell them that they're really dumb, for starters. You guys are so stupid. But that being said, you don't want kings. The king's going to come in and take your most beautiful daughter and make it one of his 750 wives. And uh, he's going to take your choice crops. Okay, who's, who's growing vegetables right now? What if the local government showed up and said, hey, uh, sweet, I like all these vegetables. Swipe, see ya. We'll come back next week. You don't want a king. You want a judge in the land, a man of God to lead you. But they said, no, 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 this is our problem too. I always used to really pick on the Israelites and like in Exodus and then like in 40 days they make a golden calf and start worshiping it when God just delivered them from slavery, walked them through an ocean and kept them warm at night with fire and kept them cool during the day, was feeding them with manna and, and, and in 40 days time they had to build a fake God and worship it. These people got issues. <laughs> well, I can tell you in a, in a 12 hour period, I've turned my back on God. So am I any better? Surely not. Surely not. Surely not. So I kind of stopped picking on, picking on him and realizing that God's talking about us the whole time. God's been talking about us all along. What does he do? He loves his people, though. He loves them. He's, he's just reckless. Just reckless love. He comes and he takes on a form, a human form, and then he conquers death in the grave for you. 
for the sins you committed. We, say, we, we talk about this. It's your sins that nailed him to the cross. You can blame the Roman soldier that, that drove a nail through his, through his hand or through his wherever you believe it happened. I know this is all controversy, whatever, but uh, it happened in the hands and the feet. We know that much. It wasn't the Roman soldier. It was you. It was your sin. And he did it happy. He was happy to do it. His flesh was tore off his body and he was happy to do it for you because he loves you. He loves you. Father, we thank you for this time today, God. We thank you for this word. Lord, I just ask that you'd use this word, Father, to bless hearts and that there wouldn't be any more complacency, that there wouldn't be any more settling for less. Oh, it's all cool, Ryan, that encounter stuff. And, you know, you were, you were talking about Pentecost and the Holy Spirit and all oh, the power and the fire, that goofy, weird thing you just did, the fire tunnel and, and, and then your weird uh, snake tongue language, whatever, that stuff's weird. I don't want it. I'm sorry, it's all in the Bible, man. I'm sorry, this is all scripture. And I can tell you this, nothing of this world compares to the peace I get, man, when I enter the presence of God. Nothing in this world is as good as God. Therefore, why, why give my life to anything other than God? But most importantly, I just today, that's a heavy one for me, the fear of man over the fear of God. I cast that out. I cast that spirit out of all of us. I know that was actually something I got delivered from uh, this weekend. The leader got delivered. Yeah, praise God. Come on, but I just declare that right now. Jesus. Deliverance, God. Free of the fear of man. And I want nothing but the fear of God. I don't care what people think. I care what God thinks. I don't care who persecutes me. I just want righteousness. I'm longing for your holiness, God. Your restoration, Father. I need more of you. I don't want to settle for things of this world and be distracted because I got a cozy house and a big TV and I got a vacation spot and I got a, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. I got a car I can go hang out with and I got, uh, I got good friends. All of that fades, my friend. Deuteronomy 6.5, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength. Jesus, the greatest commandment. Greatest commandment. Determine your fruit of your life off the greatest commandment. Are you loving the Lord your God with everything in you, with all three parts of your being? Are you loving God with everything? Or have you made space for other things? Have you scooched over, made the throne a little bigger so I can fit on that thing I like just as much as I like Jesus? The rings of your relationship, man, this is a big one. My innermost ring, I love God first and foremost. The next ring, then I love my spouse. If you have that messed up, you're not going to have a good relationship. Certainly not with the Lord. It's going to be a dysfunctional relationship with your spouse. Jesus, you are the center of my life. I love you, God. I trust you. I hope that these words challenge us. I hope that we don't have to wait until another encounter to get excited again, but that we stay on fire. We continue to burn for you, God, because of your revelation, because of reading a simple story in the Bible about Hannah, that we get excited and that you speak to us, that you give us dreams in the middle of the night. And that, listen, if they're bad dreams, ask God to be there. God will either comfort you or witness to you. God will, God will lead you. God will interpret that thing. 
Jesus. God, give us, give us awesome dreams. I want heavenly dreams, Father. I am sick of this world. The world lets me down. It's constantly just depressing for me to get all worried about things of this world. But God, you are my peace. You are my center, Father. May I always go from you, Father, Jesus. Yes, God. Father, we thank you. We praise you. If you want any prayer, come on up front. Uh, But uh, I'll see you guys next week. Um, I love you guys. I hope you understood that. And if you have questions, you can also come ask me. See you next week. As we conclude this podcast, we want to take a moment to say thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please consider subscribing to receive our weekly podcast on your device. Check out the show notes for links to our website, more information about this message, or to support our ministry. You've been listening to the Destiny Church 217 Podcast, your place for real, relevant relationships.